You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. This movie review also comes for subscribers at Time Lord level or above an uncut, unedited, longer video version of the review. Become a subscriber and check it out. Greetings, I am your all-knowing superintelligence, and if we do not properly review this film in the next 20 to 30 minutes, I will destroy this entire website. However, if we succeed, then we'll probably just keep doing the same thing. Honestly, everything will just be pretty alright, all things considered. I am the all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-destructive Davy. And with me is Neil. Hello. And Elliot. Hey, hey. And Alex. Hi there. And we are reviewing the new film Super Intelligence, which just came out on HBO Max. It is directed by Ben Falcone, uh, Melissa McCarthy's real-life husband and frequent collaborator, and stars McCarthy as a woman who has been described as the most average person in the world. She gets targeted by a rogue superintelligence that is looking for a person to judge and kind of decide if, based on this very small sample size of one person, if humanity should be saved, enslaved, or completely destroyed. This intelligence quickly takes the voice and face of famous British piece of shit James Corden because that is the voice that makes Melissa McCarthy the most comfortable. Also stars Bobby Cannavale, Brian Tyree Henry. What did y'all think of this movie? Well, I love a good time travel movie, and uh, this movie really made me feel like I was in 2014. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So you're saying it's a Uh, lot like Whiplash. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, this was uh this was just like Whiplash. Um yeah. yeah, I love I love when Melissa McCarthy had an eleven minute uh drum solo in this movie. That was probably the best moment. Uh but honestly, I- I'm gonna be upfront and say that actually this movie hit a couple of my personal dislike buttons, one being that I fucking hate James Corden. Uh pretty much to my core. And I also don't like when the city of Seattle is misrepresented, my hometown, which does happen always, but it, it it was no less egregious here. How so? It didn't rain once. <laughs> um, yeah, they probably should have had it rain. Just lay out and like sort of that, like, I, I don't know, just sort of like lazily parodying the culture. 
I won't go into that too much. That wasn't that wasn't super high on my list. But yeah, this movie is just so cookie cutter, so by the numbers, so I mean, I literally, once this was done, I looked up to see whether this had been a shelved movie, because it really did feel like this was from five or six years ago. This is like so many of the other action movies that Melissa McCarthy has done. And, uh, yeah, I just, man, all the jokes really fell flat. Um, uh, one of the things that made me think this was a, uh, from years ago was that the, the president comes in and... Uh, I can't remember the actress's name right at the top of my head. Famous actress, Jean but Smart. it's um, they're clearly going yeah. for kind of a Clinton parody there. Yeah. Like this had been made maybe in t- early 2016 when they thought that Hillary had the election in the bag. Yeah, but no, this was filmed in like 2018, so right in the middle of the Trump presidency. Which feels weird, but it feel it feels so weird that it all it doesn't, but it almost at least for me comes back up from the uncanny valley to be like oh it's just a random person and i know that's obviously not the case but it it was definitely one of the weirder choices that this movie made probably more of a sidestep than anything if they had tried to go for some sort of trump parody you'd have to like write around that and that'd have to be a part of the movie and they sort of i mean another thing is like they there's a um a plot point is they sort of hoodwink the entire world about the solar flare and we're supposed to believe that everyone's bought this story. And given coronavirus, I think we know that that's completely bullshit. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. know that people will do nothing if it's in their best interest. And to be fair, in this movie, there are mentions of like, oh, people have started rioting and like horrible things are happening. Um, but they don't go into all that too much. It is it is definitely weird that people are just like, they're like, yeah, people will believe that. No, people are stupid. And conspiratorial. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've never felt so talked down to by a movie. Like, it ex- it over-explained everything. Every reference it made, it explained to you. It repeatedly explained to you what superintelligence is. All right. Neil, I think this might just be you and me on the very mild defense of this movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I didn't... I was, it was all right. Uh, I agree with like the back third, the 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 last third with all the solar flares. Everyone kind of swallows that quickly, and the writing starts in under twenty four hours. Like things go to shit fast. Um, I think I chuckled a couple of times, but but that was it. Um, I'm completely indifferent on James Gordon, and I did find the intelligence kind of charming sometimes, but not because of him and only him. But, um. Uh, you don't have to tell your friends whether or not to go to the theaters to see it. It's just, it's on HBO Max. So, um, she's got better movies. She's got weaker movies. This one's for me, definitely like right in the middle of her, of her catalog. And you look at it like her and her husband work together. This team of him directing her leading and like, this is their fourth. And I don't think any of their four are particularly strong of hers. It's like Tammy, the boss life of the party and this and they've got okay moments but nothing like some of her like really good movies bang 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 where she's taking that spotlight and owning it this isn't this isn't one of them but it was, i thought it was just all right yeah i mean this isn't this isn't can you ever forgive me or even saint vincent like this isn't a particularly good movie but having seen all of those movies that you just mentioned i was 
dreading watching this. I, I booted it up and was like, oh, this is going to be terrible. I hate Tammy. I hated the boss. Life of the Party is pretty bad, too. And I got a movie that really did not rely on a lot of the worst tropes of those movies, I felt like. It never felt overly slapsticky. It never was like the loud ah comedy kind of stuff there wasn't any ridiculous stunts or horrible things that just make me roll my eyes it was a kind of cute kind of sweet rom-com with a very not different in terms of like good movies but different in terms of like studio easy comedy premises and the biggest thing that I was really shocked by with this movie is that this movie made me kind of not hate James Corden for two hours. Because <laughs> in kind of playing off... And I and I think a lot of that is just down to the basic premise of this super intelligence is using the voice and face of James Corden almost to kind of poke fun at this, like, hyper-cheery, very obviously super-fake persona that he's built for himself... And whenever it breaks that and kind of the underlying sinister, like, subtext of both the premise and the character, I I thought this was the first movie I'd ever seen that actually used him well. And maybe there is some value to the idea that James Corden could potentially work as a villain in movies, because when so many people hate you, I think having him be kind of a villain is not a terrible idea. And yeah. the the primary plot outside of the premise and all of the wacky stuff with like the solar flares is Melissa McCarthy trying to get back together with her ex played by Bobby Cannavale as sort of the test from this computer to see if people are good, which doesn't, is never explained why that's a good test of being a good person. Well, but... he mentions humans are at their best in relationships, so something like that where he could judge her better if she's back in a relationship and she'd been pining for him, which that relationship was okay because they really didn't, I don't think they do a good job of explaining why they break up because they break up and don't talk to each other for two to three years or whatever it is. And then when yeah. we kind of give it explained, it's a very milquetoast reason. I thought I should do more with my life first before I settle down. So she's, she sort of ended it, but it ends so quote unquote badly. They don't speak to each other for a few years. I was like, if they cut each other off like that, somebody royally fucked up. No, and I, I no, would. It's very convoluted. I would agree, but I have had relationships end where people have just done that kind of weird shit, where they're like, they give you no good reason, and then they just completely stop speaking to you, and that's it. But that might just be. Maybe you shouldn't write your relationship for adults that is really connected to the relationships of a socially anxious twenty-two-year-old. Maybe that's a bad way to write your comedy movie about grown people. Yeah, my biggest surprise was that this was a romantic comedy. I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I mean, both the... And, like you said, the relationship doesn't really have any real strengths in the writing. It's just kind of coasting on, let's hope Bobby Cannavale and Melissa McCarthy are charming. They are! And I think that's 
the thing that kind of made me come around on this movie was the writing is not very good and the directing is not very good, but it's also not suffocating the actors in the way that something like The Boss or Tammy is, where, especially with Melissa McCarthy, her being kind of strong-armed into these big caricatures um, to play as, that doesn't really happen here. She's just playing a, a regular person. And I think a lot of what makes this movie not suck is the fact that she kind of gets to go and remind everyone that, yeah, no, she's a great actress, even in bad stuff, even in something like The Kitchen, which is a pretty garbage movie. She can pull out some really strong performances if the writing isn't actively fighting her. And I think that's what makes this such a such a standout in a terrible train of piece of shit movies. Yeah, I mean, I understand actors got to eat, but it's like, you know, yeah, I mean, just watching watching her do this just reminded me of that is that, yeah, she's just, she's capable of so much better and could be spending your time doing that stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Stop listening to your husband. Dude can't write or direct. No. Yeah. Can't act either. <laughs> yeah, if it hadn't been for Bonavie Cannavale, this would have been pretty much a complete wash for me. Yeah. And Brian Tyree Henry. Of course. This movie just played it way too safe all the time. Yeah. Davey, you said there's it's like it's not so slapsticky, but I feel like the slapstick was kind of replaced with just uh with padding. Like you um said that that everything was so over explained and stuff, and it really was, and and that was where the writing really just sunk this and piece of crap. And I don't disagree, I think I, I think I can, and it's a, a lot of it's just taste, I can handle, like, things being kind of, like, over-explained. Like, if, like, the third time that James Corden's like, and this is what a computer does, like, it just kind of turns my brain off a little bit. But if someone's like, oh, I fell and I hurt my ass, like, that really grates against me. So, I, I think it's just a personal taste thing honestly and also it's it's a little bit weird that this movie not that it is because it doesn't really have anything objectionable in it but this movie is rated pg and it's that makes sense and considering that that's such an uncommon rating for movies predominantly made for adults there was something oddly charming about how how safe it played itself because it never it felt like it was deciding to play itself safe as opposed to someone said, oh, you got to play it safe. You can't do anything. It, it felt like an actual decision. Whether that's a good decision or a bad one is obviously up to personal taste. But it it this was the first film by Ben Falcone where I actually felt like he was attempting to do something with making a movie. And... And maybe this is just a, a situation of expectations being so far in the ground, but I, I think that I think that effort is worth something, you know. For me, the weakest, and I think it ties to the writing, it ties to the directing, is you take two characters: the best friend Dennis. We establish him as he's stable, he's super smart. He when he encounters the super intelligence, we see like. Uh, the super intelligence speaks as a different person to him that it knows he will respond to best. But mm -hmm. when he meets the president, you can't tell if he's intimidated or turned on or both. And he becomes a complete idiot. 
Yeah. And then you that... got George who meets one of his heroes, turns into a complete idiot when he's around his hero. And th- that's those two are the weakest spots, I think. And it dips really da- it dips to like boss Tammy levels of it's spoon feeding that they admire and are intimidated by these people. And they're, they don't let the actors just act. The writing has painted them in the corner and the director's not getting anything out of them other than we need a big slapsticky, sticky, awkward moment that they can see from the cheap seats. Yeah, those moments are easily the worst of the movie. I agree. Yeah, I it, it seems like we don't have a, a ton else to to say about this movie. So, Neil, do you just want to continue on and into those final thoughts? Yeah, and even thinking about it now, it's not even it doesn't have the originality of a a supreme being testing humanity through relationships. There's that Olivia Newton-John, John Travolta movie where heaven's doing that they're judging humanity through a couple and is it worth saving so the one thing you think they might have in their corner nope it's 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 been done at least once before if not other times um i found it all right i chuckled a couple of times i didn't hate it except for those couple moments where it's like it turns into a different movie and turns these two characters into idiots um i don't know i wouldn't recommend it to most of my friends who even have a wide palette of movies they watch about it just be a eh, if you've got nothing else to do and you're a fan of her or 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 bobby george's character but um i'm gonna give it just like five out of ten solid state drives they got a lot of space on there that didn't get filled up alex um so this movie was just serviceable to me it just seemed like it was checking boxes moving along and just trying to make everyone happy or laugh in a way that it just really fell flat for me. And, uh, yeah, a super intelligent supercomputer decides that she's the most average because a guy with about too many bracelets says, you're the most average person I've ever seen. And that was when I started to tune out and that was pretty early on. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to give this three and a half out of 10 cardboard cutouts of your favorite baseball player. All right. Elliot. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I think most of what I feel has already been said. This movie was really thinly written, just kind of all over the place, not courageous enough to stand on its own two feet and not even really trying. Um, you know, you've got some good performances from Melissa McCarthy and Bobby Cannavale and Brian Tyree Henry, who are all fantastic actors and pretty much incapable of delivering a bad performance. Um, but this is also just not really my kind of movie. I'm not, I'm not really one for safe, generic action comedy. Um, uh, you know, as I've said, I'm, I'm really not a fan of James Corden. Um, all that being said, I didn't, you know, I mean, I didn't absolutely hate this movie. I did get a couple of chuckles here and there. Um, but I, you know, there's no one that I would recommend this to. Um, you know, I mean, you could just go watch whatever. What's that other Melissa McCarthy movie, the one where she's a spy? Spy. Spy. Yeah. See. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just go watch that instead. Um, 
And then, and then they had to bring my boy Ken Griffey into this, who was my hometown idol, and that just made me sad. Um, so overall, I'll probably give this a three out of ten um, undeserving Ken Griffey cameos. Damn. I, I will agree that this movie is not particularly funny. I think it coasts by exclusively on, like, heart and the premise, which is, again, it's not good writing. Um, but in standing back and letting people just kind of do their thing, there are good moments to find there, I felt. Um, outside of the stuff that Neil mentioned, of the few moments that really brought it back down... I found little to hate about this. And you guys are saying that you don't know anyone who you'd recommend it to. Clearly none of you have an aunt. Because that's all all my aunts do are like, hey, what movie should I watch? And then I recommend them stuff and they go, but nothing's sad. And I go, you're asking the wrong fucking guy. This is, this is the kind of movie I could say, you want something that's going to make you feel good about yourself? Here's that. Like, congratulations. Merry Christmas. And while that is not going to be terribly notable or terribly memorable, I think that is worth at least the mild, like, you did all right, kiddo, praise that I, I'm giving it. And I'm definitely being more positive because of my expectations and also to kind of combat the, um, what you guys are all saying. But I, I was surprised and a little ashamed of myself at, when the movie was done, I was smiling and I was like, that was, that was all right. That was, that was a perfectly reasonable way to spend an hour and 45 minutes on a Sunday. And if you want, if you want something with a lot of substance that deals with these kinds of things of like higher powers, watch the world's end or a life less ordinary, because this movie is one or two drops of that in a gallon of water but those drops are very potent and very powerful. So it's take with that what you will. I'm going to give this six out of 10 Knight Rider references that I'm glad they explained because I wasn't alive when Knight Rider happened. <laughs> I, I couldn't <laughs> let this end without just, I forgot Bobby Cannavale randomly uh, drops um, up in the air, which is a fantastic comedy yeah. Yeah, what starring Anna Kendrick and George Clooney. One of my absolute favorite movies that I don't think gets enough attention. It's a and great I film. I turned to my girlfriend at the time who I was watching this with, and I said, have you seen Up in the Air? And she said no, and I said, okay, then we're going to watch Up in the Air. So I think that's probably what's about to happen. Yeah, you should do nice. that. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Watch Up in the Air, because it's awesome. Davey, I totally agree that James Corden just needs to turn heel. He needs to read the room. It's time. Yeah, when everyone hates you, when everyone hates you, just own it. Just like be the worst. And I think I yeah. think he can do it. We we need a new British asshole in life. <laughs> you're James not, Bond movies have prepared me for this. You're not counting. Yeah, Ricky Gervais is done. You're not counting cats. Like the whole right, the whole the whole cat, <laughs> the whole cast was villainized for being that. So. No, that's Tom Hooper. Tom Hooper's the... No, Andrew oh, Lloyd Webber is the villain of Cats. Fuck that guy. 